The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond, and hello everyone, and welcome to Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where we have so many lies to talk about this week. (laughs) It's going to be quite a hot week of lies, and it's not just a hot week because my fire alarm went off and caused us to delay the show. Uh, I am joined this week, my name is Jonathan Dorbush, your host for this episode. I'm joined by Max Scoville. Hey! Lucy O'Brien. Hi! And Brian Altano. Howdy doody, how are you? Good to hear from all of you guys. Thank you for. Uh... I don't know why I went with that. Thomas, <laughs> do you know I that should... we were we were yeah. recording NVC in the IGN studio a couple years ago, and the fire alarm went off like in the middle of the episode. I think it was a live show too. It might wasn't have even the, been like. Wasn't that the day when Zelda came out or something? Yeah, it was like some big thing, and we were oh, in the middle man. of talking. And the alarm, the fire alarm at IGN is so loud. I'm surprised I can't hear it from here. Like if like a, <laughs> a guy like smoked a cigarette behind the building today. Um, and there's there's a part in the video where you can see me just go, like it is freeze and stare <laughs> at the camera. <laughs> And I think the same exact thing happened yesterday. We we sat down to record, and your your building fire alarm went off. Yeah, it, it was, was like seconds like before. Just when we were about yeah. to record. Yeah. Yes. What? Yep. Was it was it a fire? <laughs> no, it wasn't a fire. They told us it was a faulty alarm, but this is the second alarm that's gone off since the shelter in place has been in effect. So my guess is we live really close to um, the medical college. So I'm guessing it's just kids who have never used a kitchen before and yeah. are just burning their food. Everyone's okay. being really creative with cooking at the moment, and like we're hearing a lot of fire alarms go off as well. I yeah, only lived people in the, are uh, experimenting. I only <laughs> lived in the dorms in my college in New York City for uh, one semester, then I got an apartment, um, but there was a there's like a top floor cooking area, and they only had like electric, electric stove tops there. And on Thanksgiving, some dude got really drunk and he put just a whole frozen turkey up there and then went downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> he burned down the entire like cooking area and they they didn't oh let us God. cook up there anymore. Uh, so be safe out there, kids. Look exactly. Maybe, uh, literally look up literally any recipe, just <laughs> any of them. <laughs> yeah, while well, while you're at home uh, baking bread or figuring out your pantry pastas, whatever you're doing, yes, I've been watching a lot of Bon Appetit too. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, this episode of Podcast Beyond can help you along. We're going to be talking about a bunch of news stories that actually broke in the time between when that fire alarm went off and when we're recording. But uh, first things I do want to mention at first, yes, I'm aware my audio has not been great for the last couple of weeks. Thank you to everyone who's mentioned it. I'm sad. Hopefully it's better in these uh, <laughs> next couple of weeks. Um, I've been your audio actually, sure. your audio hiccuped while you were explaining. Yeah. <laughs> like it really did. It properly, it properly cracked oh out just as you were explaining that your audio oh is now God. better. Your audio does well, like. I'm recording a backup. So hopefully, okay. oh, yeah, people I should can probably hear. do that too. I forgot to do that. I might do yeah. that too. I'll start it, set one it right in now. now. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, we are going to be talking not just about <laughs> audio problems, but a lot of news as well. Um, I do want to also mention, though, hopefully, you can hear me telling you this. If you uh-huh. haven't seen us post about it, go to store.ign.com because you can now buy an elderly Irish woman shirt. It's very exciting. It's a beautiful shirt too. It's a great design. It's a yeah, yeah. and it's, 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 it's 
if it's the kind of thing that you feel awkward about wearing out into the public and out in the world, don't worry because you shouldn't do that. And yeah, exactly. exactly. And if you um, do uh, buy one, please, please, please uh, take a photo of you wearing it and tweet it at me uh, because it will give me immense gratification. That's yes, true, and, you, uh, and we need that right now. We, we do. We, we need a do. we need a small <laughs> shining light. In fact, when Justin Davis, who is the mastermind behind the IGN store, uh, messaged me about that, he did say this is a small light in the dark times. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we're super happy with it. If you haven't seen it again, store.ign.com to check it out and buy it if you'd like. If you do like it, please buy it. We would like to make more shirts for this show uh, based on inside jokes and everything. But obviously, we want to make sure those shirts can sell well. So if this shirt does well, that means we can make a lot more. So if you're interested in buying it, obviously, I know not everyone can right now. So if you can in the future, please consider uh, picking one up. But uh, please do and send us photos of you wearing it, uh, because we'll hopefully be wearing it on the show in the weeks to come. But we have a lot in the world of actual PlayStation to discuss, including some maybe not news about Ghost of Tsushima. So we do actually have a lot of PlayStation-related news to talk about this week. Unfortunately, it's mostly about news that isn't true. Uh, the first one that I want to pull up is there was recently from official PlayStation magazine UK posted a preview and interview related to Ghost of Tsushima, uh, still set to come out on June 26th for the PS4, saying essentially offering new gameplay details, new information about how waypoints would work, some other information about uh, how side characters may change based on your story decisions and your gameplay decisions. Uh, the day following that, OPM UK tweeted out, we have been made aware of inaccuracies in our cover story and more recent article for Ghost of Tsushima. The two articles were based on an interview conducted in 2018, as well as publicly available official blog posts and trailers. Both features were created without any new involvement from Sucker Punch and Sony. We regret any confusion caused. So, we thought we had a lot of new information about Ghost of Tsushima. We don't. Uh -huh. It seems what we can gather, <clears throat> of course, we reached out to Sony for more information. They haven't commented on it, though. But from what we can gather, essentially, they uh, OPM called together information from old Ghost of Tsushima interviews and demos and things. And because all of that information is upwards of two years old, it may not be accurate to how the game is in development right now. Of course, we don't know how the game is in development right now because we haven't seen much yet. But... Unfortunately, if you had seen some of that information, which we wrote up, it's not true. Dorno, I have so, a question. Was it positioned by OPM UK as being an exclusive, like, like an exclusive thing or whatever? Because, I, you know, I'm really curious as to how this momentum was built as to people thinking yeah. that it was an exclusive, like interview with Sucker Punch, like, new gameplay details, blah, 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 because I saw a lot of people thinking that it was that. Yeah, so that, that's the confusing part here, is essentially on their new cover, which was mostly focused on Godfall, the PS5 upcoming console exclusive, it also was, like, new details about Ghost of Tsushima, our interview right. with Sucker Punch. That's not the exact language, but essentially it implied this was a new exclusive bit information that they worked with Sony to work on. And, you know, given the official in their title, you would right. assume that was true. So, but the Sony didn't part, work with them. It, it, just to clarify, official doesn't mean official, I guess. I don't well, think I, so. I, I can give some insight on that because I used to work yeah. for uh, PSM3. I was the editor for PSM3 Australia, which was the unofficial PlayStation magazine. So essentially, official PlayStation magazine and special official Xbox magazine are sort of sanctioned as official by Microsoft and Sony. Same with Nintendo. Um, I don't know if any of these magazines still exist. Uh, and yeah, they were unofficial magazines. So, you know, the, if something is an exclusive in one of the official mags, at least back in the day, um, suffice to say, you can trust that as being legit. That's... Yeah. That's kind of confusing honestly yeah it's, it's also it's the timing on this is really weird because i think everybody's pretty starved for new information on this game and uh like i'm not trying to dunk on another outlet or anything like that but it seems a little strange to cobble together a sort of like you know like kitchen sink dinners worth of like leftovers that were you know old 
things that they may have reported on a long time ago, some of which was maybe rumors or hearsay, and then uh, put it together as some packaged new piece to put it in front of the public and then have to retract it. Like with things like that, I think a lot of people, this this story gained a lot of traction. A lot of people read this story uh, or read summarizations of the story and thus probably are going into this game with m- different expectations than they should possibly have right now. And now it's on, it sort of has to be on the developers now to, to publicly clean that up. And that's kind of unfortunate, you know? Yeah, it's it's really unfair to sucker punch, I think, for me, is like how I've settled on it. As a journalist, as someone who writes about games every day, it is very annoying that someone would do this and pass that off because we do content that is, here's everything we know so far, but we position it that way. But I think like what I'm coming away with at the end of it is, man, sucker punch probably is just so excited to show this game and i will say like full disclosure andrew goldfarb my former boss and our former co-worker does work at sucker punch now um but they're probably just really excited to show this game off you know we're a couple months away from its launch as far as we know they really haven't shown too many trailers this is a like really big question mark but an exciting one that i think ps4 players just want to see more of and so it's unfair to them to have to like prove against a story that wasn't part of their make yeah absolutely um, to move on from that, though, in terms of other weird things that aren't true, on the day we're recording this Wednesday of this week, you may have seen suddenly a bunch of PS4 exclusives being listed for PC on Amazon France, including Bloodborne, Days Gone, uh, Persona 5 Royal. Those are not true either. Uh, we reached out to Sony, a representative for Sony on the first-party exclusive side of the games, and then Atlas for Persona 5 Royal confirmed to us that those listings are inaccurate and the companies have nothing to announce on PC ports at the time. So whether or not these games eventually make it to PC, these listings are not indicating that. They are not like announced plans of things that are imminent. Um, this seems to be Amazon French. I guess, jumping the gun, putting some pages up. I don't know what their decision-making was. Um, But right now, Horizon Zero Dawn is the only officially confirmed PS4 exclusive that I can think of coming to PC. We sort of did that. And Death Stranding, thank you. Right, right. We we did a thing where we, like, we'll sort of write articles in advance, which is not super uncommon, where it's like, oh, let's maybe have a, like if there's a certain, if there's a celebrity who's really old and it seems likely that that person might pass away, let's maybe have this on hand in case they do pass away. And then it's not as last minute scramble to get this thing ready. Did they do something like that maybe where they were like, huh, it looks like Sony's starting to port stuff to PC. Maybe we should have these on hand just in case so we can flip a switch and have it there. It very much might be. That's a thing that we see in like for a little bit of, uh, behind the scenes inside baseball stuff. We usually don't report on those things because they happen so frequently with online listings. Um, but normally they're not for named games. Like we we see this happen a lot with Nintendo games. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has happened a lot with GameStop and Best Buy and Amazon. Like almost all of them have been culprits when it comes to listing a Nintendo game that's either not announced or is rumored or just, just totally out of the blue or they just list new Nintendo game. And so... A lot of those times they may be actually linked to, you know, an Nintendo Direct that's upcoming, but just as many times, if not more, they're just placeholders that they're putting there yeah. because they expect I mean, to. Eventually. And also with placeholder prices as well. Um, you know, a, a lot of the times I've seen people freak out because when I worked at EB Games, because there was a placeholder price that was like ridiculously expensive, but they just, it's just there to be in the system. Right. I mean, it's I like that. Deal with... We're going to say. I was going to say with like release dates where it's like, oh, it's coming out December 31st, 2020. Holy crap. It's got to, and it's like, no, that just means sometime this year, probably. I feel like on slow news weeks, we should just dedicate a chunk of the show every week to just the lies and hubris that people have invented. <laughs> and like, it, it, it's, it's kind of ridiculous that, that so much of that happened this week. Like, what yeah. is, is this? Is this like the same thing that happens in like an election year where like like your uncle That's gets tricked on Facebook a lot? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're in an election year for consoles, right? So is, did, yeah. are people just are like, are Nintendo and Xbox fans making up rumors about PlayStation exclusives going to PC and Ghost of Tsushima having different features than we imagined and Uncharted 5 starring a golden retriever or whatever? <laughs> I mean, what is interesting though about Sony's response to this, you know, just on the flip side um, is... You know, the response was to IGN, the listings are not accurate. 
we have made no announcements to bring these games to PC, which I think is, mm. is interesting wording because it gives them uh, a loophole should, I mean, you know, fine if these games come to PC, that's 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 great. They're old games, but, um, you know, like it, 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 it does give them room to actually make that announcement without saying, you know, without having said, no, they're definitely not ever going to be that's, made. Like they are not like in exactly. development. That's like some Obi-Wan Kenobi lying where you're like <laughs> what i said was true we had no no plans no. to announce these things yeah but we had plans from a certain it's point also, of view it's also <laughs> like the, the dumb and dumber so you're saying there's a chance thing <laughs> like yeah it, yeah. it, it kind of feels like they didn't they didn't say no but they wouldn't say no because they could but they haven't <laughs> but they might exactly. yeah it's it's yeah, it, it is a weird sort of situation to be in. I, I totally agree with you, Lucy. I do think they're leaving the door open because I don't think Horizon, as the first party only announced thing um, from the first party studios, Death Stranding, of course, being a little bit of a different case, but also coming. I don't think Sony wants to prevent other games from being announced for PC. I just don't think now is the time they have any of these plans. And I don't think the Amazon listings are indicative of what their plans are. It is probably someone working there who, as Max said, was making placeholder pages just in case. Um, speaking of placeholder pages, you can make a case for, though, in case you to uh, prep ahead long in the future. Surprise, surprise, GTA 6 is in development. Um, what? Or a new GTA. I know, what? hold your horses. What? But um, Kotaku posted a report earlier today as we're recording, and an anonymous source um, corroborated to IGN that Rockstar is, of course, working on the next Grand Theft Auto as its next major project. Um, as the Kotaku report notes, and the Kotaku report does take a larger look at Rockstar, which I want to get into in a second, but essentially they say it's early in development. So this is not something where I think you can expect, you know, we see GTA 6 announced rumors every other day pretty much at this point. I don't think you should expect a GTA reveal in a month. I, I think this is definitely something that is further down the line, but it is no surprise that that is what they're going to next. I would like a GTA 6 reveal in a month. I think we could use some good news that right now. That would be nice. I mean, I would even, uh, you know, we were getting so frustrated, like, when they released, like, one screenshot and everyone goes wild about that single screenshot. But at this point, I'd take it. I oh, would yeah. take that screenshot. I would... <laughs> <laughs> like, I want, I, I want weird more. Thing. I want, I want, I am all down for drip feeds about this game because it is Me very too. exciting. Me too. You can show me a license plate or like a shark's fin, a rock. I will take a shoe, like yep. sidewalk, <laughs> literally anything that that's just like, oh, this is some sort of visual identity of what this this finished product will eventually look like one day. The thing I love about them is that like they they don't really have a and correct me, audience, if I'm wrong here. They don't really have a, a deep history of like bullshotting, you know, of like basically showing you something and then. Uh, jerking the wheel and then make like shipping something that looks way worse. Like I feel like every GTA Red Dead screenshot we saw when the game came out, we we're like, oh, that's yeah, no, that's how the game looked. Like, I mean, they'll definitely do like mm -hmm. dramatic, like in you know, in-engine things mm -hmm. where it's like in camera mode and it's like really polished. But <laughs> no, it's all it's all like what it looks like for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the the reason I worry or I say be wary about until we actually see a reveal. I do think we'll get that drip feed, but just not anytime soon um, because the Kotaku report is largely about how crunch has changed Rockstar and how they have tried to improve things since the big crunch discussion around Red Dead 2. And one of the things they said, they are essentially trying to figure out what production is going to look like on this next game um, to help, you know, deal with crunch as an ongoing issue. And some of the things they're considering is changing the tech pipelines to make production easier and to not have to have people working overtime so much, but also to release a moderately sized game, which, uh, according to the report, would still be a large game, especially by Rockstar standards, but that they then expand with regular updates over time to help mitigate stress and crunch. Um, that may not definitely be the plan, but we could be potentially seeing something that is still large, but maybe not orders of magnitude larger than Red Dead 2 or GTA 5 so that they can update it over time. Which I'm fine I really with like that. that. I, I'm yeah. totally fine with that. And I, I really like the idea of... Because, um, you know, I, I loved Red Dead 2. I loved it with all my heart. Um, it was my game of the year, whenever that year was, because time has no meaning anymore. Um, but, like, I really like the idea of 
you know, it was still, it was, it was almost ridiculously huge. You know what I mean? Like it was so large that I, I, I sort of, I didn't appreciate it every inch of it. Right. I really mm-hmm. like the idea of getting a, a moderately sized game that I can play to its, you know, like that I can, with a universe that I can explore to its full extent and then get more content later once I've appreciated it in its full glory. Yeah, I mean, I'd be I'd be down to see like how they did like GTA 4 and then the Liberty City stories. And I know that's like blasphemy because people are like, oh, you want to get nickel and dimed and have them parse out the game in different episodic installments. But like, I mean, yeah, my whole thing with, with Red Dead was it felt like it was so big. It was overwhelming. And if it had been yeah. a little bit smaller, I probably would have powered through it and then been like, okay, give me more. But like I, in the end, I wound up just being like, no, I'm, I, I got my fill. I kind of, we also, yeah. we never got story DLC for GTA V, and I would have taken a slightly smaller world at that game's launch for us to, like, a year, year and a half later, get, like, a 10-hour bite-sized new God, area, so new good. section. You know, that would yeah, have been really and cool. And... We've seen them do that with GTA Online to a different degree, of course, proven they can continually support a game and be very successful at it. And so this doesn't seem like that far of a change from probably how they're operating that right now. And I would talk to it would also be interesting if they did like, I mean, let's say maybe they port GTA five to next gen, but instead of it being like the full campaign, it's. I mean, maybe it's the full campaign plus a little extra bonus story DLC, but it's like a discount price because you've already sort of they've already made this three times, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just I'm just hypothesizing here, but like I feel like they are they are so close to like flipping the switch with GTA Online and making it free to play just because it's so many people have it already and they're making money from repeat customers. Basically, it's free on Game Pass already. So like, you know, it's it's not like if they're like, hey, we're re-releasing it again. I don't think like a million people are going to go out and buy it all of a sudden. Like they probably mm-hmm. will as well, but like it just is easy to be like, "Hey, we've got like a here's a here's a new story thing that would get enough people's ears to perk up, and then maybe they'll stick around to do online stuff." Totally. Yeah, potentially. I uh, I wonder, I wonder if if Red Dead made them the money they wanted it to make them. It, Red Dead made insane money, but it didn't make GTA money. So I I think that's that's still their their biggest cash cow by far. Uh, it's interesting because it's like. I don't really know what like a a scaled down version of GTA looks like after Red Dead because to me, everything only gets bigger and bigger, you know. And like even like a bigger version of GTA Five, um, is just I I just can't even fathom that because there's there were so many details in that game. I would say that it's like you could you could potentially rein in some of the sort of superfluous features that we saw in Red Dead, such as like shrinking horse testicles, you know, like if they. If they're working on like a thing where like like Trevor's dick gets smaller when he goes in cold water, like you can scrap that <laughs> but, and oh, let a guy oh, go. Oh, I was in the pool. No, 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 no. This is this is the thing. Like, if you've been to any Rockstar press event, you know that the shrinking testicles are what they pride themselves on. <laughs> Rockstar is all about those little details, and that is what differentiates them from other developers. I know. I know you're right. But you're right. But I mean, you know what they should some- do. What they should they should take they should take Red Dead Two that big old sprawling beautiful expanse of nature, and they should turn it into suburbia and then have Bully Two set there. Yeah, they should yeah. just bulldoze it and fill it with tract housing that all looks the same. Basically, do all the worst things that happened in suburbs anyway, and be like, oh, let's put a mall here. That's an easy lazy thing to do. Let's put like the same house eight hundred times, and then let's have BMX bikes instead of horses, and let's have these boys going around with slingshots causing a ruckus getting in some antics it'd be great i want i don't i just want a new game to talk about good god yeah i i would Actually, happily take that as well but, i would really um, i would really sorry, like but... a no i was gonna say i would really like a like an open world rockstar game that's like pg-13 like actually i i really like um what is it simpsons hit and run and lego yeah. city undercover those those are like pg games um where you can you can cause ruckus and antics and 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 uh, tomfoolery and such, but you don't have to shoot anybody. That's you know? it. That's uh, I'm all about the shooting and the sex and the <laughs> drugs. Can... And I love all that. I want. I, I would really love to see more more AAA companies like rise to the challenge of making an all ages game. And I realize that's like such a mom thing to say, but like I don't know. Like you look at like Last of Us 2 it's like all right you you can make like a compelling human story where people get like throat slits and there's disembowelings and horrible things but like 
okay, can you like, like, yeah, like an Oscar winning live action movie, like the, you know, children of men can make me cry, but so can Ratatouille. Let's see you do a Ratatouille <laughs> with a crash bandicoot. Yeah. I'm actually I mean, we're yeah. going to say Jonathan. I was going to say that I always hope that despite the success, obviously of Spider-Man, I hope that has not let Ratchet and Clank die. Like that 2016 remake was so good. And I think set them up for doing such a great family friendly, all ages uh, experience. And I do hope we see more of that. In I'm actually Spider-Man. surprised they haven't done that with Fortnite yet. I mean, they have the assets, they have the engine, like just, it's essentially an open world game that shrinks anyway. Um, yeah. just make, make one that shuts the timers off and has like some story beats to it and get that rockstar money. Mm. They're already getting that rockstar well, they, money, but get more of that rockstar yeah. money. <laughs> they, yeah, they had saved to. the world and then they put out Fortnite Battle Royale, right, yeah. you know, but, um, yeah, it will be very, what they do on the scope side of things. I would love a, a bully too. As well. I think I would be okay with them keeping the scope that they already have made with Red Dead 2 and GTA 5, but just filling it with more dense detail and then expanding over. Also, put Chinatown Wars on Switch. Just do that. Just drag and drop and make everybody happy. Yeah. Just throw that out there. Perfect. Work work more. A uh, couple more news pieces I do want to get through before we talk about what we're playing and before my dog yells at me with his barks. Um, I did want to mention, as of right now with the the show as we're recording, if you own a PS4, regardless of whether you have PlayStation Plus or not, you can get a few free games during this sort of stay-at-home initiative. Uh, Sony announced that they're currently letting people download for free the Uncharted Nathan Drake collection, so Uncharted 1, 2, and 3, as well as Journey for PS4 from that game company. That's awesome. That is yeah, like one of, just one of my favorite things that any company has done through all of this. Uh, that is such a phenomenal collection of games. If you haven't played them for some odd reason, especially Journey, like, you know, Uncharted sold millions of copies. Journey is obviously a, a, a big hit and a, an indie darling, but it's like a three-hour game. And if you haven't played that game for whatever reason, because you didn't want to spend ten bucks on it, uh, please play through that now. It, yeah, it is beautiful. I think there's probably a, a good selection of of the Uncharted audience that hasn't messed with Journey, and a good selection of the Journey audience that hasn't messed with Uncharted. But they're both, you know, phenomenal games, or games, game series in different ways. So it's like, get in there, give it a shot, mm-hmm. free. Yeah, they're both um, very different, but very exciting uh, opportunities for free games. You don't need to be a PS Plus member. So if you aren't subscribed to that, obviously there are free games every month for that. But these are just for everyone. They're available to download and you do get to keep them from starting from April 15th. And you can download them through May 5th, but then they are yours to keep for forever, which is great. Um, This was also announced as part of a larger initiative that Sony will be also setting up a $10 million uh, earmarked fund to support indie devs who are, you know, partners with PlayStation. So more details are going to be coming out about this. So including how to participate, all of that sort of thing. So if you are a developer listening, uh, they'll have more information soon. But right now they're saying we've put aside $10 million. We will help indie devs during obviously a very strange time uh, as they're making their games. And yeah, as uh, Lucy just said, this is another great move. I'm really happy they're doing this. Um, it, it feels like one of those things, indies were so important to the launch of the PS4, and we sort of saw them go away over the course of the PS4 in terms of their importance to Sony as a brand. And I feel like at least in the last maybe six months or so, um, they did recently hire uh, Greg Rice, I believe, from Double Fine um, and made some other moves. It feels like Sony is putting an, an emphasis again on indies, which I really appreciate. Uh, Shuhei Yoshida's job change uh, that was announced recently is focused on indie and partnership developments as well. So I'm really happy that they're making these moves together. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, uh, I was going to say that uh, it seems like they kind of subdued that entire movement for a couple of years because of rising costs. And I think there seemed like a bunch of games that probably started with a small mid-tier budget um, spiraled out of control a little bit. Um, And they... They really started focusing on AAA stuff, and that paid off, obviously, because they've had a phenomenal lineup this generation. Uh, that said, like I don't really care about how powerful a system is because a significant portion of my playtime with it will inevitably be 
like quirky, stupid platformers and puzzle games alongside the massive open world games and shooters and, you know, third person action games and stuff like that. So I'm really happy to see them sort of like tilt this focus back to getting a, a, a little bit of of everything on there and not just the big games. The big games like invariably always get delayed and everything too. And uh, I always look at indie games as like awesome things to kind of hold you over between the, you know, gigantic God of Wars and mm-hmm. uh, Last of Us's. Also, like if if we're getting weird new features with the with the PS5, like haptic feedback rumble or like a pulse sensor or whatever the hell it is actually supposed to do, a create button. I feel like indie devs are the perfect people to really like get weird with that. You know, like yeah, you know, implementing incredibly strange new features with a massive AAA budget isn't necessarily the best way to you know experiment. But getting smaller weirdos to get strange with it is good. There was a um, a game that came out specifically for the Kinect right at the end of the Kinect's life cycle, which was just so devastating. I ended up reviewing it. It was called Fru. I forget who it was by. If you remember, please shout out. Um, and it was just exactly that. It was like an indie team that just made incredible creative use of this of this piece of technology that was otherwise pretty much like maligned. And I'd love to see people like indie devs experiment with these features like right from the get-go because I felt so bad for that team, you know, at the very end of the life cycle. So it'd be awesome to see more people jump on these new features and create new ways to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it was developed by a company called Through Games, Lucy, and I cannot find what they've done since. I don't know about oh. that, but obviously, yeah, unfortunately. But obviously a fun like can help devs who are maybe in the middle of production or just finished production and are trying to figure out what they're going to do next. This will hopefully hopefully be really helpful in setting up what comes to the PS5. And that to totally. me is very exciting and a great move to show. You know, Sony obviously is like the market leader. I think we've seen a little bit of they feel up apart from things because Microsoft and Nintendo have put so much of their messaging a part of like the entire industry. We're part of all the movements and all of these things. I'm glad that Sony is dipping back in sort of uh, movement. The other bit of information I want to discuss this week is uh, a rumor that broke over the weekend. Uh, there was a little bit of it that we've discussed earlier on the show, largely that uh, Resident Evil 8 is likely coming next year, according to these rumors. But Video Games Chronicle reported that apparently a Resident Evil 4 remake is properly in the works, uh, aiming for Woo! Couple, a couple years from now, uh, an estimated release window in 2022, according to Video Games Chronicle. Development is being led by the Osaka-based M2, a new studio founded by the former Platinum Games head Tatsuya Minami. Uh, which has been prepping for the project since 2018, and they apparently contributed to RE3 development, so have some experience with remakes. But uh, yeah, I wanted to bring this up because obviously we have some RE4 fans on the panel, and we've talked about what Capcom should do next. How do you all feel about this being the next remake, if it's true? So to to get two things out of the way, one, yes, I love Code Veronica. I am sad that they're skipping right over that. It's a great game. It's super weird. I think it paved the way for a lot of the cool stuff they've done after, including the stuff they're doing now. Uh, and two, I know Resident Evil 4 is a perfect game and it doesn't need a remake. Got those out of the way. I am so excited for this. I cannot wait for this. I hope this is a real thing. I hope it comes together. Uh, I love Code Veronica. I hope they get to that eventually too. I understand that you know Resident Evil 4, it's... Uh, it's for some people it hasn't aged well because it's got that sort of like stop and pop mechanics to it um and for other people like me i I can play through it once or twice a year and it still holds up incredibly or that game memorized front to back i am like giddy with the idea of playing through that game with the sort of graphical fidelity that we got with resident evil 2 and 3 um just with probably full player movement, I know that would fundamentally change a lot of things, but there are some wonderfully, disgustingly grotesque bosses in that game, and I want to see how great they could look now. Um, the, some of like, the best bosses of, of all the Resident Evils are in Resident Evil 4, like, yeah. by a mile. You could, you could fill a list of the best bosses of Resident Evil across the whole series, and the bulk of it will be Resident Evil 4. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also the Mercenaries uh, was started in RE4 and kicks so much ass. It's I, I mm-hmm. probably spent like a hundred hours playing that game. Um, the thing about Resident Evil 4 is that mechanically at the time it was one of the best 
best feeling third person action games ever made. Um, it was also like a 15, 20 hour game for people playing through on their first time. So it's it's sort of unheard of, uh, especially considering you look at Resident Evil 3, that's a five hour game, which has a ton of content cut from its original iteration. And so like, I do hope that they find a way um, to keep the sort of strength and duration of that game. Um, the game kind of falls apart in the third act, but I still think that that's part of the whole thing there. It's part of the whole story. So they could truncate that part, but I I do hope we don't get like a, a Cliff Notes version of Resident Evil 4. Um, I, I mean, I totally agree. And I, I think in this instance, you know, with two and three, we saw we saw it, those games very much remixed. Like uh, they weren't kind of one-to-one -one faithful. I think Resident Evil 4 could definitely do with a more faithful remaster. Um, in terms of like the 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 very very similar beats across the the whole way through, um, I want to see it in the RE engine because you're right, Altano. Like just playing through two and three in that engine has just been just the most incredible experience. Um, but I kind of want to see it a more because it's a much more modern game as well. It it, it yeah. totally discarded all the old trappings of um you know two and three survival horror and recreated it. Um, and, uh, you know, sort of came up with a whole new formula in the process that was revolutionary for video games, period. Um, so I don't think it needs that remix. I think that I want to see a more or less very faithful recreation just in a brand new engine. Mm, I, I completely disagree. I think that um, like RE2 and 3, obviously, they do have like kind of dated mechanics that needed updating. And whereas RE4 like feels mostly the same it still is almost it's almost jarring how like familiar it is while still being like kind of dated um right but i i feel like i called this a couple a couple weeks ago we're just being like it feels like two and three are kind of testing the waters because those are smaller games for being like okay what is a full-scale uh next-gen massive overhaul of re4 look like like is this their is this their big ff7 remake that they're doing like is this them taking the most beloved entry in the series or the one that's sort of the, the big the one that everyone adores and giving it like a fresh coat of paint and going in and tweaking things and really trying to sort of, you know, recapture what made that first one so good, but doing it in a way that is sort of new and exciting for people who didn't play it or for people who are, you know, hardcore fans. Okay. Yeah, I like, all right. Possibly. No, I like that idea. I do like the idea, that idea. I just do want, I, I, I really want to make sure that the idiosyncrasies of Resident Evil 4 are intact and I'm sure like we we are seeing, you know, amazing remakes these days with Resident Evil, with Final Fantasy, um, that do capture the, the the essence of what made those original games so good. Um, part of what I just really want from the, the the remake of four is that those weird aspects of it are still there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what are you what are you buying? Like stuff like that is like you can't remove that from the game. It is so inherently tied to Hearing that, hearing that there's yeah. an ex platinum dev involved with this is like incredibly good to hear because they're really good at finding that balance between like, you know, basically like live action anime and incredibly weirdness. You know, like that. Right. Yeah. and yeah. campy. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you know, like Bayonetta turns her hair into a whip and fights a missile or whatever. Like it's just her yeah. shoes are guns. Like that kind of absurdity is, um, you know, obviously like it's it's you know going to be different people working on it, but. I feel like so much groundwork has been laid with two and three um, and four is like four is really kind of like, that's sort of their, their chocolate and peanut butter. Like that's their, that is equal parts action and horror. And those are sort of two things that are tried and true. Whereas I feel like getting, getting people who are more akin to like action games into survival horror is kind of an uphill battle. But if you're like, Hey, here's like, here's the one that's like a little bit of everything for everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. I want yeah, to see what they. Uh, I want to see what they do with it structurally. Like, I really hope that they kind of take that the way that game is is laid out, and it would be, it would be fascinating if they made it from being, you know, a series of sort of hallways and and set pieces into making it that island feel like a real proper, like a proper location. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I, I always thought the village felt like a proper location. Um, the yeah, way it's interconnected. So. It's also uh, that game does a really smart thing where it, um, it makes you backtrack without making you backtrack like it funnels you back into certain sections but now it's nighttime and pitchforks and torches are out um and you'll revisit areas that feel a little bit different uh because there's slightly different conditions or you cross back over a bridge that you thought was normal the last time and now there's 
wolves with tentacles popping out of their necks. Like there's a lot of really cool stuff like that in that game that I think pads out the length of it in a way that doesn't feel cheap. Uh, and so I, I do want that to maintain. I, I'm, I don't know how I would feel about breaking the game into multiple parts. Ultimately, I would buy it and not care. Oh, I but... definitely don't want that. I do not want that one bit. I'm not saying that as far as it being like an FF7 thing. I, just I mean, need... when I when I bought the game on GameCube, it was on two discs. And that's there was a very hard stop at the end of disc one when you, you beat a boss and then it said, please insert disc two. And that, you know, imagine if that was a year apart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it probably depends on what the scope of what they're trying to do is and also the intention because I'm, I'm not at the end but and again i haven't played the original but from what i can tell of the ff7 remake as much as it is remaking that original game it also feels like it is intentionally trying to create a different experience and a new experience and so them splitting it up seems tied at least somewhat to those story changes whereas if they were just splitting re4 up because that's how the discs were split up originally and it's functionally the same game i could see that being a lot more of a issue for players yeah um this this re4 is a weird one too because it actually has there's a bunch of there's like a prototype version of this game that doesn't it, it doesn't look anything like the final version we got where leon's going through essentially a haunted house and fighting a poltergeist with like a phantom poltergeist thing with a hook um and so like not only is there a 20 hour game to pick from but there's also you know a bunch of like cut content and that would be interesting to explore and sort of like uh uh side missions there's also the uh ada wong uh file sub sub game like there's so much there's just so much there and so i would like to see it all under one roof uh in one package but if they have to break it up i'm i'm okay with that too i really just want to see with that chainsaw man you know oh, yeah. <laughs> i just want to see that i want to see that at those locations in that engine. Yeah, in El yeah. Gigante. Yeah. It's oh. regenerated. It's going to be yeah. a hell of a reveal trailer, whatever whatever they end up showing. You guys are making me want to replay this game like right now. Right. I, I did that like six months ago. I'll do it again. I don't care. <laughs> and I, I should I play it? Here's, here's the thing, because I never played FF7 before playing the remake. Should I play, before we jump into what we're playing, should I play RE4 before yes. a possible yes. remake? Yes. yes. Yeah, definitely. yeah. So yes, the, th definitely. The, the thing that holds people back from that game is that you cannot run and shoot at the same time, and it will take your modern brain a few minutes to break around that and go, "I don't get it. Doesn't make sense." Until you realize that the entire game is designed around that mechanic, and so that's the thing I am worried about, uh, sort of slipping away in the in in a remake because they absolutely will not ship a game in 2021 or whatever. No, no way. Where you have to stop to shoot. They just won't. But that's how that game plays. Uh, it's all about it's all about sort of like, uh, you know, maximizing your bullets and items and shooting an enemy in the knee, running up, suplexing them, sniping them while they're down. Like you can basically kill most of the enemies in that game with one or two bullets if you're smart about it. Um, whereas like uh, most people don't play modern third person action games like that. Right. I so, want this. I want this game with the sensibilities of Bloodborne, like Bloodborne already borrowed enough from RE4. But I like I would love to see like how do you reinvent that? Like in the same way that FF7 was a turn-based, you know, party RPG, and now it's like a beat 'em up where you switch between people. Like I want to see them kind of do that weird, like, all right, let's let's break this, but in a really creative, interesting way. Right. Yeah. Like what is maybe you know maybe the suplexing is now your like a parrying type of thing. Like maybe that's your super move. Like I I, I don't know. There's something there. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. a lot of potential for what they could do, especially given beloved nature but i'm very excited to see once this is a real and yet you should absolutely on. play it it's so good, play yeah. i i absolutely will after i finish uh the other old game that i'm playing that's remade uh, and i do want to jump into what we're playing so let's talk about uh everything that we've been playing lucy i do want to start with you because it's been a while since you've been on the show yeah. um well, and obviously so... i reviewed re3 um which i really really loved but that's a little old now um, I have been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. That is my current game. Um, I am absolutely adoring it. Uh, again, I am just shocked at how good this remake is, just like I was shocked with Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3. Like, I just feel it's the, it's the most wonderful mix of nostalgia and, like, modern sensibilities in, in gaming. Um, 
it's like a lot of people I've seen a lot of people playing it who have never played the the original like cringe at the dialogue and yeah I get like the the, the dialogue is kind of cringy it, I mean not kind of it is it is very cringy at times but um I play, I play Kingdom Hearts I know what to yeah expect. the nostalgia the nostalgia effect on me is just I am just mainlining it. It is so, so, so good. I've teared like I've teared up multiple times just from the soundtrack alone. Um, the soundtrack so yes, is I, yeah. it is. I, I'm absolutely loving it. I, I'm trying to not play it all at once so I, you know, burn out and then it's over. Um, I'm trying to limit and, and play in like like little drips. But um yeah, I, I think I'm up to about like chapter ten now and just I'm all in. Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're, we'll stay spoiler free as we're talking about the game. So obviously people are jumping in and playing, right? So we won't spoil anything, but we'll talk about it in spoiler detail later on. Uh, I'm very much, I'm, I think, three chapters away from the end and feeling the same way. Save the nostalgia. No nostalgia for it, but absolutely loving it. It's so ridiculously good looking. Like this and so RE2 beautiful. and RE3 and the RE engine. It, it, like, you know, I can't wait to see what next-gen consoles can show us because these games look amazing. Like, the, thing I can't I, the thing I love about that is, like, if these games hadn't existed in the 90s with the completely bonkers sensibilities of, like, old video games, they wouldn't be getting remade. Like, they would they would be have something much more, like, fine-tuned and much more... But the fact that we are getting these, like, incredible, gorgeous, triple-A, like, top-of-the-line, just practically photorealistic recreations of some of the yeah. most like bonkers batshit nonsense you could possibly see on a screen is just like yeah it's it's perfect it just yeah, makes me so happy it makes me so happy because these games you're so right max these games were just profoundly fundamentally weird and i just like i can't believe that i'm sitting here in 2020 in my living room playing them like that and with with all their crazy weirdness intact you know i just i love it we're so lucky. I mean, we had the, we had in the same couple of weeks. We also had Doom and Animal Crossing, which essentially have the their their DNA of of ancient games from decades ago as well. Uh, adhering to all of their weirdness and uh, at, at times grotesque horror, and so like it's been pretty fascinating to see the video game industry sort of become this cyclical, but also celebrate itself in a way that doesn't feel annualized or monotonous i mean these are these are absolute triumphs of games that uh don't really bring a ton of new stuff to the table but are absolutely stunning borderline next-gen masterpieces that probably mm -hmm. justify my argument that maybe we just don't need a ps5 just yet mm -hmm. and if this is a bad year maybe we can push it a few months i hate to keep nope. beating that drum but like it's hard to play games like this and then be like ah get rid of this people you know, talk about it. like the, the sort of nostalgia being rose tinted glasses I feel like this is like, yeah, but what if those rose-tinted glasses also had, like, 4K HDR? <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it, totally. like, it's it's such a, God, it's it's such, like, a bizarre thing to be, like, closing off this console generation with, like, revisiting games from 20 years ago, but given this, like, just insane amounts of money and time and effort and, and talent thrown at them to make them, like, all right, let's let's make them look how you remember them. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty phenomenal seeing this as the wrap-up. And Brian, I totally agree with you. My only caveat would be, I wish my PS4 didn't sound like a jet engine while playing them. That's the one thing I would take from a new gen. <laughs> um, I worry every time I'm playing FF7 that my console will die and I'll never finish it. But um, Max, I know you've been playing FF7 as well as Below a little bit, right? Yeah, I jumped into Below. That's the um, the Cappy Games uh, procedurally generated very sparse roguelike that it came out it was in the works forever i remember doing like interviews at like i want to say like pa pax prime 2012 or something and it was originally on xbox one exclusively uh and it's it's like a really it's kind of a weird like survival roguelike where you you keep going further and further into these caverns and they just put out a new version on ps4 which adds this sort of i think it's called like explore mode yeah, um, yeah that's exactly it I'm i'm playing it too yeah what do you make oh, of it um, it's not grabbing me, honestly, to be completely blunt. Uh, I was hoping I would like it more. I think it's beautiful. Like, there are entire sections of that game that are utterly stunning. And I think it's just, like, a bit too obtuse and minimalist for me. Like, and I know, like, I'm all about stuff like Bloodborne, which is just, like, has a bunch of utter nonsense in it that you basically have to, like, talk to friends on the playground to figure out. Um, 
but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep pushing forward because it's it's beautiful and um, the music is phenomenal and I I, I want to see I want to see where it goes, but I I wish I loved the first few hours a little bit more. Yeah, but... I've I've desperately wanted to love this game and all the various iterations I've checked out, but I feel like when it the the sort of way the landscape has changed um, since it was first revealed and 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 announced, like it was this kind of cool like oh hey it's sort of like the original Zelda, but it's like really sparse and like really you know there's minimal hud and it doesn't tell you everything and it's very like and then we got like breath of the wild and that you know that kind of i think sensibility with um you know making sort of you know smaller sparse survival games became like really common and i and it's i feel like it took them it took them too long to make sort of a more accessible mode not that i'm complaining about being a baby it's just like it's it's very much a game where you have to you have to do a lot of the legwork to really to really get into it, to really invest your time in it. Cause it's, you know, you die and you're, you have to go like your character, like basically washes ashore again. And you're like, Oh, I have to go all the way back through this cave. And you like, you walk kind of slow. It's just, it's that kind of thing where you're like, this could, this could go a little faster and, and have the same experience. I think. Yeah. It's not, it's not a thing to try out for 20 minutes and see if it's right. You do need to dedicate a bit to it. And I'm feeling the same way, but going to stick with it, as Brian said. Um, but fortunately, we're unfortunately, we're a little short on time. So we'll wrap up there. Uh, and to save everyone, I won't yell a memory card through spotty audio. But uh, thank you all so much for joining me for this episode. I'm glad we could all be together again. At, uh, and Just thank one you. quick thing, one quick yeah. thing, one quick thing. Um, if you do really want an elderly Irish woman t-shirt, like, you know, you, you can you don't have to be polite. Like I know that you know, not everyone is going to want one of these weird in joke t-shirts. But if you do really want one, and you can't afford it right now because of the current disaster, uh, hit me up on Twitter and I will send one your way. You're a sweetheart. Thank you, Lucy. You are wonderful. Um, and thank you to everyone who's listening. Whether you want an elderly Irish woman t-shirt or not, thank you for listening and are watching this episode. We hope it's brought you some joy this week. We hope you're safe and you're well, uh, whatever you may be up to, hopefully staying safe at home. Uh, otherwise, Beyond is normally live Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN Beyond, and your favorite podcast services. You can find us otherwise on IGN.com, as well as Twitter. I am at Jam Dornbush. Lucy is at Luce O'Brien. Max is at Max Scoville. And Brian is at Agent Bizzle. Thank you so much to Red, our producer, for putting up with us for this past hour. And thank you for listening and watching. And as always, beyond. 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 Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.